Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of our in-service podcast. Uh, today we have a very, very special guest, especially to me. Um, Chris is actually our Chris Adams, our director of everything in Colorado, director of performance, director of speed. Um, he was our first hire ever at Push Performance. So that's, what, how long ago was that, Chris? I believe that was summer of 2014. I believe. Yeah. Been rolling deep together since. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, also, we have, as usual, Taylor Davis. What's up? Brandon Monahan. Hello. EE Strength. Does anyone want to say hi? <laughs> What's up? Ashton Newell. Hello. And Jordan Schieffer. Hello. And then I'm DJ Edwards. Sorry about that part. Um, <laughs> no, no introduction either. So today, today we want to talk about a little bit, um, kind of just free flow again with you, Chris, use your knowledge and talk about our speed programs, uh, speeding, strength and conditioning for baseball, all that kind of stuff. Um, so first and foremost, give us a little background on yourself. Uh, a little bit on me, uh, born and raised Colorado, um, Westminster area, which is North Denver. Uh, went to Metro state, just as like everyone else. Yes, sir. DJ. Grant, or oh, yeah, Grant. Yeah. Um, after that, I know baseball kind of ended quickly for me. Um, had a pretty bad wrist injury, two surgeries, plates, pins, all that good stuff in there. Um, wanted to stay in the athletic realm. Um, ended up getting my degree. Uh, worked for Lauren Landau for maybe a half a year after that. Kind of wasn't feeling it, kind of didn't get the job with them. Found DJ, and the rest is history from there. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, so transitioning to what we're doing now, you know, what what are some things I like? I asked this our last episode last week. What are you learning right now? Like, what are you going, what are you looking at? What are you doing? What's, what's changed your mind in the last six months to a year? Uh, well, kind of what they said last week, uh, prescript. Uh, and the guys here, Taylor, using that PS1, um, kind of learning a different uh, way of thinking about the body and movement and all that good stuff. Um, Connor Harris, um, Zach Dakin, you know, taking a trip out to TCU was huge for us. Um, those are kind of the guys right now I'm kind of following pretty closely right now. Zach Dakin needs to get royalties for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's on it every episode. Yeah, we got to. <laughs> I'm going to text him and be like, hey, dude, you blast this out. We need some money. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have him on. Yeah, we can have him on. Um, looking, at, looking at your speed stuff, I mean, honestly, you're the person I, I taught you a lot of stuff, but now you're teaching me more than I could have ever taught you on the speed aspect, in my opinion. Um, what kind of what's your philosophy when it comes to speed work with baseball players uh with my speed work you know um what we're doing is we're not trying to make them sprinters um knowing that our population is baseball it's how can we take sprint qualities uh, movement qualities and transferring it to the baseball field um that's kind of my mindset is i'm not i know for a fact they're not gonna be on the track they're not gonna be running 50 yard dash, 100 yard dash, whatever track and field uh, stuff there is out there. But how can I take those, 
qualities of a sprinter and give it to a baseball player and maximize it on the baseball field from there. What are the key characteristics that you see? I know uh, here we all kind of run the speed stuff, right? Um, Taylor, you're kind of in charge of the college speed groups, mm -hmm. I would say, and some pro guys, minor league guys. Um, Brandon, you do a lot of the on the same level, right? College guys and pro guys. Jordan, you do a lot of high school guys, right? Um, so, like, what are your, what are your? I guess we'll turn this into groups, you know, discussion now. Like, Chris, what's your kind of foundation for what characteristics? What you see in, in applying that? As far as like sprinting and everything, this is application to baseball sprint, sprinting and baseball. So, are you looking at? Are you, are you looking at? Hip kinematics, are you looking at the femur? Are you looking at the pelvis rotating around the femur and ER, IR? Like, are you looking at more acceleration versus, versus top end speed? Are you, what are you, I mean, what's kind of like your. So, first, yeah, first and foremost, you know, baseball is built around speed and power, right? So, we're going to focus a lot more on those acceleration mechanics and aspects of that. As, and then we'll get into a little bit of top end speed, but not so much. But Acceleration and deceleration are probably going to be my two top qualities that I'm going to look at as far as um, giving it to a baseball player, um, knowing that they're going to be in those more often than not. Um, and as far as looking at how the body, you know, I'm always looking at the ground up. I'm looking at how is their foot interacting with the ground, what's happening there, and then that's going to give me a real good idea of what's happening up at the hip. Um, so yeah, that I mean, as far as watching someone move, it starts from the ground up for me. What are similar dysfunctions you see in a baseball player during sprint form? Uh, that you know they just don't know, like basically they don't know how to sprint in general. <laughs> <laughs> they they really don't. They they um, whether it's their you know heel coming up towards their butt, uh, whether it's they're not putting their knee their. Um, femur in the right position to attack the ground um, or they're just standing up and they don't know that they need a forward lean. You know, there's a bunch of different things that I see. Um, most likely they, they just don't know how to sprint. <laughs> they just don't know where to Which put their crazy, body. Right. Because sprinting is one of the five, the five tools, quote unquote, five tools that guys and scouts and schools look for. You know what I mean? And it's probably the most undertrained portion of, Baseball development, in my opinion, wouldn't you say? I would, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, how many kids at both of our both facilities, right, come in? I, granted, strength is built or speed is built in the weight room first and foremost. You know that. Okay. You know, how many kids are opting on opting out on the speed program or not even wasting the time to ask about our speed program or you know what I mean? They just run like literally run like shit around the base pass and look like idiots. Really? You know what I mean? So you'll see, I mean, we see it all the time. We'll see the strongest guys in the, in the weight room, but they don't know how to use it, right? It's one thing to have one or the other. Like you even saw, you know, when I first started, I can make someone look pretty. They can run with most gorgeous form, but if they're not strong, they ain't going to be fast. And then yeah. vice versa, you know, they got the strongest guy in the weight room. He doesn't know how to use it. He ain't going to be fast. So yeah, dimension returns, right? Like how strong is too strong? Exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah, you know, strength's all like, to me. Like, I've always told you guys, strength is always king, right? Joint, you know, it's able you're able to control the joints under stress, absorb force, produce force, so on, so on and so forth. So, so Taylor, what's kind of your main aspect when it comes to speed? Main, main ideas, main goals. Well, kind of 
same thing as Chris said about around like building power through like the accelerative phase. And a lot of guys, like, like I think half the guys, when they, when like any, I take them outside and do any sprint work, they'll generally try to reach for that first step rather than taking a drop step. And then they're always like, okay, which one's faster, which one's slower, like which one's going to make me faster off the jump, stuff like that. And different athletes work and like they pattern out different ways. So I'll generally like just allow them to start just to, I tell them just, Hey, be athletic and let your body kind of figure out that, that, um, that sequence and stuff on the accelerator phase. But so many guys are like, Oh, I want to do top end, top end, top end. It's like, if I'm not running 30, 40 yards, then it's like, well, like, why am I only doing 10 yard sprints? Like, this is easy. Like I'm not tired. Everybody wants to be tired after doing sprints, which is, we'll get into that. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but I actually had a, I want to start a question for you, Chris. Um, when, so say you have an athlete, he's doing sprint work with you and you're like, you're writing a strength program as well. How do you kind of pattern out those days? Cause I've kind of heard about guys wanting to do speed on the same day as their lifts. Then I know sometimes they can get to be like a lot on that one day. So some guys will program speed on like their off days on the movement days. So I just wanted to like, I want to get your thought on how you would go about programming those days. Yeah. So depending on what, you know, type of speed work we're going to do for the day, I, I personally like to put their sprint work as close to the beginning of the week as possible. You know, it's the most uh, neurological driven thing that they can do. So we need them the freshest they can be. So I want that towards the beginning of the week um, before any type of lifting, um, before um, basically any type of activity that they're going to do because I need them the freshest that they can be. Uh, more something towards, you know, maybe midweek. Um, it all depends on what kind of strength work they've done prior to that. Um, maybe not so much deceleration type work because, again, that's going to be very – um, high CNS driven. But you're doing your all your decel and change of rest and stuff on earlier in the week, correct? You're correct. Yeah, I mean it's just so taxing on your CNS system that you know I want that I want I need them to be fresh. Um, towards the end of the week, you know, maybe we can do some type of um, depending on how far they are in their speed program, um, some type of change of direction type work where you know where we're mixing in sprint decel and then again, re-accelerating out of that, um, or just some type of conditioning, you know, something that's, um, not so much, again, CNS driven. It's not so much technically driven, um, moreover, they can just kind of free flow and move, um, and get their work in that way. You anything else to on that? No, uh, yeah, no, that was my question. So Sweet. good answer. <laughs> what do you got B? Yeah, I mean, to try and not be too repetitive with what Chris and Taylor just kind of talked about, you know, uh, when I'm working with my guys, you know, it's kind of like what Chris said is we're not training elite sprinters here. We're training elite baseball players and then young baseball players as well. So when you're thinking of the younger population, you just definitely got to know that these kids do not know how to run for the most part or even a, let alone sprint. So uh, when I'm working with the younger population, it usually starts with real simple just progressions where, you know, we, we're a big preacher of the A-series here. So it's just going to be um, just some simple kind of early drills that before even gets them moving quickly. Um, so it's just going to kind of promote good running mechanics there. And then again, like Chris said, we're not going to get too tic-tacky with it um, when it comes to running form because we just want them to basically be good at baseball and not good at sprinting. Um, but at the same time, we obviously want to be efficient and move well on the field and be able to get in and out of positions because, you know, getting thrown out of second base on a stolen base is could be the, you know, deciding factor in just a initial step out of the 
the stealing or the leadoff, or just you know possibly getting to your top end speed maybe a little bit quicker through acceleration. Um, but so yeah, usually when I'm working with a lot of my guys, it's going to be a lot more accelerative base versus top end speed because um, on a baseball field or as a baseball player in general, if you're you know at top end speed for more than maybe I would say. 10 yards, 15 yards, it's because you messed up on a baseball field. Um, that's why, you know, we can get into the 60-yard dash and that test, um, you know, on another podcast. But that's kind of, the, about that today. you know, that's kind of probably <laughs> probably the biggest eyewash test there is to measuring a baseball player, the 60-yard the dash. Because, again, like I'll, I'll say it again, if you're running 60 yards in a straight line, from it, and now you got to turn around and sprint as hard as you can to go get it. Um, otherwise, you know, top end speed that far. Um, doesn't really have a huge correlation or carry over to the baseball field. But, I mean, obviously we want to be able to uh, maintain top end speed when we do get to it or be able to hold it or, you know, be familiar with that stress when we do get to it. Um, so, obviously, that still does play a small role um, within the, the athlete's speed program. Um, but otherwise, you know, the biggest thing I like to do with my guys, too, is I just like to try and keep everything just – you're trying to promote athleticism. You know, that's the biggest thing. So, a lot of my running stuff is just changing their start positions – um, getting creative with rhythm, tempos, um, just doing a lot of different things like that. So that way the guy is having to kind of orientate, sequence, and then just kind of work on timing as well. Because um, that's basically what we want with our baseball players is just be able to sequence well, move well, um, time up everything, and then just be rhythmic with it. So if you can do that within your running, you'll probably be able to do that, you know, whether you're pitching, hitting, fielding. Yeah, it's all, it's all cadence right yeah it's all rhythm it's all everything we do hitting throwing sprinting mm -hmm. it's all it's all cadence right, what do you got on that chris can you think any comments on brand brand's answer no i mean that is i mean you hit it pretty dead on for that um you know again it, it all depends on how far they are in their training um as far as how we're going to mix things up right so if you have someone who's been you know running with you for a while yeah i mean we'll change up their positioning because they know how to get into the correct positions from there. You take someone who's brand new, they're going to have no freaking idea, you know? Um, but, you know, allowing them to figure it out has been one of the biggest things that's helped me as a coach. You know, we always get into this over cueing. Um, and I was hundred percent guilty of that, you know, do this, do that, you know, knee up, you know, you need to put your torso in this position, you know, head back, you know, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden they're, they're lost. You know, it's that paralysis by overanalysis at that point. So I've learned to, you know, kind of sit back. I'll give them like two cues. And then from there, I, I probably won't say a word for, you know, until they're done with the drill. You know, see if they can figure it out. Um, and if they can't, you know, maybe we need to take a step back. We need to go, you know, in a different direction. Or if they figure it out, be like, hey, what did you feel? You know, uh, what did you feel like you changed to get to that position? You know, they're kind of kind of quizzing them along the way, so they're kind of understanding their body more that way. But absolutely, like you got to think about like when kids are growing up, we're not teaching them how to free play, right? We're not <laughs> teaching them how to you know do things like that. We're not teaching them how to run around the park or do whatever, you know. But how come when it comes to sports specific stuff, we all of a sudden start over cueing, over coaching, all those kind of things, you know? And then then the kids become unathletic when we're trying to be get them to become more athletic you know what i mean yeah, exactly that's, that's one of the biggest things that i've been we've both been all of us have been you know you know had issues with is over cueing athletes and we had it as part of our in-service program now right eric is you know 
talk or an intern program. I know we're doing that in Colorado too, is like how to queue properly, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, we have internal and external cues for guys, but at the same time, you know, like your personality is different than Jordan's personality. My personality is different than Taylor's. Brandon's is different than Eric's. You know what I mean? So like every athlete is, has a different personality too, yep. you know? Yep. So we just need to get back to just letting people be athletic, you know? And yeah, that's, that's the number, number one thing I've seen is when coaches over cue and overdo too much or it's my way or the highway, the athletes are just shit in the bed and they don't know why. And it's just, they're, you know, really, really struggling. Yep. What do you got, Jordan? Um, do you have any questions for Chris? Yeah, I actually do. Um, I'm just going to re retweet what Taylor, Chris, and Brandon said so far. But I do have a question, which is um, how do you, like, if you take speed out of making somebody fast on the base pass and you actually want to look at maybe like a pitcher, now you're looking at top end speed, maybe like training that top, like moving at top velocity, uh, or how would you kind of think about that? As far as, so you're asking how would you train like a pitcher and speed work? Like how would you, or like would you, like, would you train a pitcher at top end speed? Right, yeah, essentially. I or, mean, I mean, I probably would just. To, I, know, you know, I know you're still training athletes at top end speed. Yeah, I'll still get yeah. them there, but am I going to spend most of my time there? Probably would you, would not. You spend more time, more time, or at least more time you would than you would teaching like an acceleration deceleration phase because a pitcher might actually might need that more. Or like, what, what's your thought on that? I would definitely put them in the acceleration decel more than top end speed, 100. percent that demands on the body, right? Like just the anaerobic body, the anaerobic system of the, of the pitcher. Yeah, and I mean, we've had many pro guys come in here and be like, I ain't doing speed work. I am sprinting the ball across the plate, Push right? We, we, I mean, right we've heard that so many, so many times, but if you kind of sit them down and be like, hey, this is how it's actually gonna help you throw harder, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of teach them that route. And I mean, you get a little more buy-in then, and they kind of be like, okay, you know, maybe I should do this. And it's not surprising to us that the hardest guy in Colorado has the fastest 10 yard sprint time. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, to me, there's no, I mean, I don't need to kind of explain that, but you know, when other pitchers see that, like, holy crap, like, like he runs fast and he throws hard. Weird. Like, yeah, remember that study we, did with, we did it with it was me, you, and Dakin. Remember that study we did with the, the uh, 10 yard sprint correlation, we tested all the 10 yards for the, the pitchers mm -hmm. uh, yeah. at TCU at the staff, and then we tested our pitchers. And like, there was some correlation to that 100%. Yeah, I mean, there may not be like a direct where it's happening no. for every single one, but there is a you know a positive correlation to that. So, but it can also be causation for you know, right. who knows, but you know, yeah. but but there, I mean, you express force, you express power, and you express force and power. In all planes of motion, right? Not just linear speed. Yeah, you know. Right, right. And then if I mean, if we look at sprinting alone, you know, we know that you know it makes our CNS more efficient. You know, our rate code or how we you know contract our muscles a lot faster. Um, coordination, you know, and it, it's just all going to play a role in everything we do, not just sprinting. So, you know, kind of teaching them that route, and then, you know, maybe they don't want to do it. And, you know, I'll sneak it in, you know, push a sled, you know, you don't have to do sprinting to, you know, do speed work. Well, that's so. something we talk about too, is, you know, the, we want to, we talk about like, we do so much like velocity based training with our guys, 
mm-hmm. right? The best velocity-based training tool we can do is sprint. Yep. Like, hands down, <laughs> you know? And you don't need to have some sexy gym wear attachment like we always do with guys. You know, we can always just train speed. Like, you know, we have 11-year big leaguers here in Arizona that needed to train speed, but they'd rather opt to do, you know, the velocity-based training, you know, or, or whatever. So, um, you know, that's a very underutilized tool for – Pitcher, your pitchers is the speed and velocity curve, force velocity curve, and all that. Yeah, because for, such a, kind of for such a long time, it was be like be careful and like don't move things fast and do your like your shoulder care and then like do your bands and then like you're good. Like you're a pitcher, we don't need to lift heavy or lift fast and like have, like treated every pitcher like a rapid bubble wrap. Yeah. What's uh? What's the What's it like in Colorado now with the kids practicing? Is it you see a lot of guys coming in doing a lot of a lot of speed work at practice? Are we still able to do that in season? Are they getting used and abused there? Like what's going on with that? As far I mean, as far as in here, it's really I mean, we almost don't do as much as we would probably would like. Um, but knowing that what they're doing on the field in practice is probably not the best thing they should be doing. Uh, you know, running long distance pulls, all that nonsense over there, but we don't want to overdo it. Right. So as far as speed training and everything, it's a lot more, I guess you could say mechanical in that aspect. Um, and we can do this in, you know, their warm up. you know, making sure they're in sprint form or, you know, knee up, toe up, whether they're doing a, um, hamstring stretch or, you know, a quad stretch, you know, we can always, I don't know, mess around with their posture and positioning without actually having them run. And then again, at, um, using the sled, um, you know, not as much eccentric work going on in their muscles. They're not as sore, um, but we're still getting that concentric, you know, motion for them. So, but they're still hitting those positions that they need to. Yeah, we just gotta look look at ground contact. How many how many times their feet are hitting the con hitting the ground, essentially throughout the course of practice, their, their games. They're now wearing spikes after not wearing spikes all all year, essentially. You know, for the last five six months, they've been able to play. Thank God. But you know, before that, it was everybody was just trained to train. They were in turfs or tennis shoes. You know, now we're adding. You know, spikes was changes your gait posture, right? It, it, it changes all those things. So. He's got to take that into account, in my opinion, too. You know, what do you, what do you guys got on that? Um, yeah, a lot of guys will come in, and it's just like I think we talked about it in our first podcast, but just talking to guys, like, okay, like position player comes in, how do you feel today? Like today, maybe today we want to do like some more sprint stuff, and just talking to them, like, how do you feel today? And they're like, I felt good. We didn't do any running at practice. I want to do some sprint work. Great. Some days they may come in and say, hey, we we did some long distance running, or we did some more base running today, and I'm pretty tired. Okay, do your A block. Go ahead and go right into your lift. So like that. So it's just like talking to them and like trying to get in the speed days because you just don't want to eliminate speed in general in season, but trying to get the speed days in. We can in. also use speed for as recovery too, right? Yeah. We have some tempo run variations yep. we do. Um, you know, sprint, jog, sprint, jaws, whatever, yep. walks, you know. Um, I don't, Are you doing like walking sled work still, Chris? Yeah, like we, still, yep, yeah. we still do that. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. We need to get a mini sled here for mm-hmm. that reason. Just you can work on your posture, your gait, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So that's that's huge there. Um, yeah, that's for us. Like that's the biggest thing, man, is being able to control what we can control as coaches, but having the athlete communicate with us. Going back to that mm-hmm. full circle every every single week, you know. 
Um, what a so let's let's talk about somebody that's doing a lot of <laughs> a lot of long distance running. You know, they're decreasing ranges of motion, their hips, their ankles, um, using their accessory respiratory muscles to to breathe, just because they're training as cross country athletes versus baseball players. You know, they're getting super like hyperactive through their pecs, serratus, you know, traps, all that kind of stuff. What you know, what's our what's our play after that? Like, what what's our attack? What are we doing as a staff to to address that? You know, a guy comes in, loses 10, 20 degrees of, of ER or IR in both hips and shoulders or ankles, and he didn't even throw a baseball. You know, and it comes from running. What's what's our approach when everybody listening to this podcast is gonna know we probably shouldn't long distance run, right? So but the problem is people are still doing it. So what, what's our approach there? Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's a hard question, huh? Yeah, I mean, at that point, I mean, obviously, I'm asking you because I don't know. <laughs> like, obviously, we're gonna have to restore those ranges of motion, yeah. right? So, um, you know, I'm in the weight room, but you know, maybe they're not lifting weights, but they're doing a lot more, you know, breathing techniques, getting them into those positions that we need to get them into, and breathing into them, you know, um, depending on like, well, for me. Looking at these guys is um, getting on barefoot, looking at their feet, you know, you can really tell what they need most at that point. You know, um, someone who's more flat footed, like in my case, I'm very flat footed person. Um, I'm going to be stuck in an internal rotated position or biased in that position in my hip. Right. So I'm going to need to re restore because I can't, I'm already in that position. So maybe I need to get myself into you know, a more propulsive state, and then... So are you going to have an externally rotated, like, tib-fib, though? I mean... Since you're internally rotated and flat-footed? If, if I'm going to have more bias towards internal, right? So yes. I'm going to probably go the opposite realm for me. I'm going to, you know, elevate my heel, put myself in more of that supinated position, external rotation, propulsive state. You know, I'm not going to totally neglect internal rotation, right? So maybe, you know, elevate my heel in a split stance position, you know, rotating into my hip and then breathing there. You know, it's going to really help restore, you know, my hip as far as what I'm lacking. Brian, what do you got? Yes, I, know you, I know you've been studying. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Chris is, Chris is right. We're, you know, looking at your, looking at the athlete's feet will tell you a lot, you know, like whether, especially if they bring in old training shoes, those will definitely, um, tell tell a story uh, some guys will bring in shoes that they've been wearing for quite a while where, and where the wear and tear is yeah, yeah. i mean and that's 100 percent it you know you'll see guys that they have a lot of wear and tear on you know the heels and just the outsides of their shoes and then you get athletes that have you know a lot of wear and tear on the heel and then all just on the inside of their shoes so the guys that are kind of a little bit more flat-footed versus the guys that kind of live in um supination so then that kind of been like you you were just mentioning DJ, then that can affect the tibia and fibula yeah. that can put you into an internal external rotation bias just Go to kind of get valgus knees and everyone's like, Oh, it's your adductors or yep. whatever, you know. No, it's not. It's <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's your body just basically working in rotation yeah. to kind of offset gravity acting upon it. Um, and then that can also then show you what's going on at the, the hip joint as well. You know, a guy can be stuck in ER at the hip within the femur and then below the knee, they're going to be rotated internally to kind of offset that. And then that can also then put you into another kind of flat footed position as well. 
Um, what are you doing, Chris, to like, sorry, Brian. No, you're good. You yeah, no, I was just going to say, so yeah, you just, you want to look at both, you know, the hips, the feet, and then the knees as well, because all of that stuff can kind of affect itself from bottom top, top to bottom, all of that. What you, Chris, what are you doing to like, if, we see a lot of guys like not able to get into hip extension really well when they sprint acceleration, right? What are you kind of doing to get guys through extension into extension? Obviously, it's going to be a lack of internal rotation, right? Right. Um, you know, their pelvis is probably going to be altered some way, obviously. You know, like, what are your kind of go-tos? Because people need to realize, like, getting into, quote-unquote, triple extension on speed is huge, right? Versus just, all right, go do some power cleans and learn how to do it, you know, or whatever. Like, what are what are you doing to get guys better hip extension? Um, so we see a lot of guys in most of our assessments lack hip extension, mm-hmm. you know, because they lack internal rotation, you know? So, like, what are you – Besides, like the basic breathing and basic neuro neuromuscular patterning stuff, like what are kind of like couple two three things you like to do to create extension? Well, the first thing I like to do is actually teach them what actual hip extension is, <laughs> because they obviously can't they don't know what it is, so they don't they can't feel it, right? So I'm going to get them into a position where they actually feel their hip extending, whether that is a you know a single leg glute bridge or you know, um, elevate their foot in a glute bridge position and having them extend their hip that way. But I need them to actually know what hip extension is in order for them to, you know, obviously get there, you know, or else they're just going to think that they're in it when really, you know, maybe they're dumped in a anteriorly tilted position and they think pushing off their toes into their quads is actually extending their hip when it's not, right? goes back to knowing what proper movement looks like for you, right? Like you just you can't fix it unless you know what it looks like. Exactly. Yep. Um, so that'd be the first thing, you know, is just teaching them what true hip extension is. Um, and then from there, you know, a lot of it is they don't know how to interact with the ground, right? So when they interact with the ground with the, you know, improper foot positioning, they're not going to be able to extend the hip, right? So I have a, you know, a harness belt, if you um, can imagine it, where I can actually take their body weight out of it. So it's almost like a true unloaded sprinting position. Um, and then have them actually, you know, extend their hip in a sprinting, you know, forward lean position. That way we're taking that um, relative strength aspect out of sprinting out of it so they don't even have to worry about that part so i'm doing that work for them and then also now they can actually get into those positions of hip extension without any compromise um, position or movements that they have so do you do you see a guy that is stealing right like i know for us it's like you can you can drop step you can crossover step whatever you want to do to steal a bag you know what I mean? Do you see guys that bias towards one of those movements or counter movements that lack the external rotation or hip extension or internal rotation or whatever it may be on the way they decide to take that first step? Or do you see guys that take that false step because they don't have it? Oh, false step. <laughs> Should we go into that one? Yeah. Um, Definitely. It, it, it is a false step. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, everyone has their own definition of a false step, right? Um, 
my to me a false step is if I'm taking a step in the opposite direction and my, actually my body weight and everything goes in that direction. Right. Does that make sense? Go away from the, the you know required duration essentially. Right. So I mean, the drop step, rhythm step, whatever you guys want to call it. Um, Destination, not duration. Destination. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. So like the drop step or the you know the rhythm step is kind of what kind of call it over here but all that's doing is getting them into a better position to accelerate out right as long as when they're taking that drop step or rhythm step that their body weight is going let's say if they're stealing is going towards second right my body weight's not going towards the bag as i'm drop stepping all i'm doing is repositioning my joints and my shin angles all that good stuff into a better position for me to accelerate out because um, I know when we first started, right, we hammered the crossover step, right? Gain ground, gain ground. Yeah, it was a crossover, crossover. Why are we, you know, why are we taking this drop step? And, you know, as we go along, you know, some guys just respond better to the drop step or they, they do a crossover step, right? It's just whatever is more comfortable, whatever they do better is what I'm going to train them to do. I'm not going to change what their how their body gets into a better position that it goes back to the athleticism aspect right right right. Well, athlete. right and i and i you know it started with you know one of our um older pro guys when he kept telling me why am i crossing over i feel like you know i'm slower i'm slower i'm like okay here here's the deal get into a position like you're gonna steal and then i'm gonna tell you to go and you just go and i'm just gonna see what you do and then all of a sudden, you know, he's a drop stepper and all of a sudden his, you know, his times are quicker. He's, you know, he just, he positions his body in a lot better, more efficient way doing that. So then that kind of opened my eye, you know, so every single person that comes in here, I'm just going to say, steal a bag, you know, just, just do what you do. And I'm just going to see how your body kind of gathers itself in that position. And then we're going to go from there. You know, I'm going to keep training that on you. I'm not going to totally switch something and have you become slower. Obviously, that's not the goal. So, Anybody got anything else on that one? Jordan? There's no sense. I mean, Chris is right. Like, There's no sense in like trying to make everybody do one thing. If your body orients itself in a certain way, you shouldn't change it. Like, If it's physically wrong and they're like something slower, then you can obviously clean it up. But... There's no sense making everybody do a crossover or making everybody do a drop. 100%. I mean, going off, going off that, Chris, like, what about, like, somebody that takes two hard steps and has terrible posture, right? Anterior core is just – or their thorax is just completely dumped. They're running like like this, you know? <laughs> like, just completely – sorry, like we're, on, we're not on a video. We're, you know, <laughs> like, when you're completely dumped over, your head's forward, and you're running, your feet are just <laughs> – Clunking to the ground. You're doing the yeah, exactly. I mean, what what are some reasons that is that a lack of hip extension? So we see a lot of kids trying to steal bags, and they're just falling over from first start. You know, I mean, even athletic kids. You know. Yep. So to me, that's just showing a lack of relative strength. They can't hold their body up. You know, so and I mean that comes plain and simple there. I mean, they just got to get stronger in that part. They need to be able to hold their body weight in order to maintain certain positions. And to them, holding that forward lean is bending over. As soon as they bend over, all of a sudden now they can't extend the hip, 
right? So it's just a trickle down effect from there. Um, so posture and positioning, you know, that's that's number one. But then also now when you get strong in those, you know, those postures and those positionings from there. So I mean, let's go into some strength stuff too, because obviously you're a elite strength coach too. But what what are you kind of are you trying to mimic what we're doing on the field in the weight room in a sprint in the sprint pattern? Are we doing you know, split stance programming, late step stuff. Um, are we doing, you know, what are you, what are you trying to do there? Or does it depend on the athlete? Um, like you, like we mentioned before, you're going to elevate the toe because of lack of internal rotation or put a rear foot elevated split squat because they lack internal rotation, whatever it may be, whatever the athlete needs, right? So like, what are you kind of doing to help essentially your speed guys, our speed guys on, on in the weight room now? Uh, so it depends on where they are in their, you know, their program. Where are they in their season? Where are they, you know, on the, you know, force velocity curve? Where, where are they first is kind of going to dictate, you know, what we're doing in the weight room, right? So someone right now who's in season, um, I'm probably not too focused on that right now. You know, so I was sprint, sprinting and all that. So I'm more focused on, you know, restoring those range of motions. From there, but if someone that says going into their season, you know, it's going to be very, very close or mimicking sprint, uh, sprint positioning and qualities from there, right? Um, I'm always going to be playing kind of with their foot positioning, no matter you know where they are in their season, as far as toe elevated, heel elevated, where we um, loading them to the side or inside. All that stuff is, you know, going to be throughout their entire training because that's just how their body is, you know, that's just uh, where their joints are. So we're going to have to get them in correct positionings no matter where they are. And as far as does that make sense, kind of yeah. Yeah. Um, in their training. Um, but as far as like really mimicking sprinting and all that, it's going to be more towards that preseason, late off season type of, type of workouts where we're really trying to, you know, get them moving quickly and sprinting a lot quick or faster. Do you, do you see guys that um, are squatting? I know we don't do it. We do bilateral squats sometimes, you know, in the off season and, you know, we do a lot more unilateral patterning. Um, do you see guys like with, um, again, a t like a Craig's test, like when we tested like the greater stroke canter and see like the eight degrees of rotation each direction or whatever, do you see guys that take that, deficit inside that greater trochanter in the hip and apply it to the run. Are they going to run like kind of duck footed? Are they going to run like abducted? Do you see that in a sprint form or is that just like how their femur is naturally sitting in their pelvis? Uh, I mean, it, all, it I mean, they all change honestly, because we can get them on the table and see how your pelvis is, you know, internally rotated or this is kind of how you're stuck. And um, all of a sudden when they run, everything kind of, you know, comes together and they, they don't show it. You know what I mean? Some of the, you know, best athletes in the world are great at hiding, you know, their, what they're deficient at. That's why they're best athletes. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you don't even need to, you know, touch it or, you know, mess with it because that's what makes them great at what they do. Right. Yep. Um, obviously if you get them on the table and you see like, Hey, they're internally rotated, you know, down the whole entire chain, you know, they're, they are running 
you know, more of a duck foot or toes out because they're trying to find that range of motion and it's actually hindering their performance. Okay, now we need to kind of fix what we got going on here. And then from there, you know, it starts from, for me, it always starts from the ground up. I'm going to kind of play with their foot positioning to see if it kind of helps their hip positioning. If it helps, great, let's keep doing it. If it doesn't, okay, let's do something else, you know. So you're not really worried about how he's – how he's aligned inside the like inside the like femur, the femur and acetabulum, essentially. You know, it, like I said, it just depends. Um, it's always in the back of my head, like, hey, this is kind of what he's showing on the table. And, you know, maybe his squat pattern is showing it, but all of a sudden when he sprints, it's gone. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I mean, we're always we're always assessing um, every single day through their warm ups, through how they're moving, um, what do they do throughout the day? Is it improving or is it making it worse you know sort of assessing you know all the time yeah exactly every, every time it moves an assessment right um what do you what do you got on early season hamstring issues we see that a lot in major league baseball right now you know mm-hmm. um you know is that uh deficiency like a running deficiency is that too hard of a heel strike is that uh, altered pelvis is that lack of i mean obviously all these are answers right like yeah, is it, I mean, all the above <laughs> like, what can we do to minimize this like how we kept knock on wood how we kept our athletes pretty damn healthy over the years in early season or throughout the year or durable um i mean when you're looking at soft tissue as far as running um we kind of know that that's a propulsive base issue right so they're out of positioning, you know, they're, they're striking the ground, usually kind of on the heel, getting to that pulling mechanism is instead of, you know, driving into the ground, that pushing. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, the, it's a long recovery leg. I don't know these are, I don't know if you guys are kind of following what I'm putting here, but the leg likes to get super long behind you. And all of a sudden now the body needs to, you know, go faster and pull the leg out in front. All of a sudden now we're out of positioning, strike with the heel, pull, hamstring goes pop. You know, that's normally kind of what we see as far as hamstrings um, is that they're in a very bad positioning from the get-go. And then all of a sudden they're trying to gain ground by going out in front instead of gaining ground by driving behind. Taylor, you got anything on that? I have nothing on that. Yeah, I just think, you know, a lot of times you see this guys overstriding early in the season, just timing's a little bit off. Sometimes, you know, you can think of it just being due to a little bit of excitement, adrenaline. Uh, guys early in the season are excited to be out there and they're just, you know, it's the first time they were able to probably really get after it. And, you know, it's just what happened and they overstrided and kind of like what Chris said, it's just a little bit of a mechanical issue. And then um, hamstring goes down. Goes pop. Yep. <laughs> goes pop. Goes up. All right, Chris. I ask you a couple qu- or a question. What do you got on sand training for speed? <laughs> and it's good if you uh, want to get a tan because you're uh, obviously on a beach. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, but as far as far as training for speed, uh, absolutely no, no. Okay, I mean, That's all yeah, <laughs> I got nothing on it. <laughs> you see all those sexy those sexy videos on TikTok and Instagram reels, right? And guys are making these cool videos, guys doing these short chalky steps through the sand and, you know, making all these cool athletic attempt moves and they're just 
literally covering no ground, producing no. no force. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it comes down to it. To be fast, you got to produce force in the ground. Yeah. I mean, sand obviously doesn't allow that to happen. Um, the one thing I will say about sand training is maybe, um, you know, it, it gives your joints kind of a a breather. Yeah. You know, so maybe you can do you know simple skips or. Um, sand work that way but you're just you're not trying to train speed at that point I guess right? maybe you're training your your feet right i mean you can your yeah ankles. but it's just giving to me it's giving your joints kind of a little bit of a rest at that yeah. point you know so i could still kind of get a little bit of work out of that but as far as for training for speed no no it'd be more on like a recovery day that you would take them out yeah but you're not gonna go max intense no you wouldn't go max intense no, no. Yeah, like you said, you do your skips, you do some like you yeah. do tempo runs or something on sand, which would be yeah. relaxing. But sad. Beach sounds nice. Beach does sound nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do we got questions for Chris? Eric, you got any questions? No. You haven't said a word all day. You didn't ask me anything. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> um, I got one more to end it. So going back to what we started with, talking about like acceleration and top speed, whereas like Excel, like building accelerative capabilities would be our biggest goal with the baseball players. What would be the point or what would be the purpose of training top speed with them? So the point of it would be, so if they ever get to that position, they know how to do it basically. So if they ever need to get there, they have, you know, a little bit of knowledge and they know what they need to do. That way we don't run into these, um, soft tissue injuries or, you know, stuff like that. So they just know the principles behind it. So they're kind of not blindsided. What is, I mean, what is 60 yards? Is it home to, it's home to second? Yeah. Yeah. Or second to home. Second to home. Without a lead off in a secondary. So. And a, and a turn. Yeah. In, my, in our aspect, we test our tens and our thirties. Right, Chris? Yep. Um, you know, like, even in the 60 yard, we're or the 60 yard, excuse me, from home to second or second to home, we're even, we're never really hitting top end speed, staying tall, right? They're all we're changing angles, we're rounding bags, creating good angles, good leans, right? So that's uh, you know going off of that. It's like why are we doing that? Why are we continue to test that? You know, when when's Major League Baseball? I think Major League Baseball ended up coming out with their pre-draft stuff that we're testing tens and tens and thirties finally which is sweet. So finally getting there, which is sweet. Slowly, slowly but surely. <laughs> sweet. Chris, you got anything for us? Any questions? Uh, no, guys. Um, love what you guys are doing out there. You know, it's just good to see, you know, push going down there and doing really well. You know, that's that the goal. So we were all there together, buddy. Appreciate so, you, man. I have to yeah, get down there sometime to see you guys. So yeah, I'm trying to, Schedule that golf trip still. <laughs> I'm working yeah, on my golf. I don't know if you do that. Well, I'll, I'll golf with Taylor so we can uh, hang you're out. You're way better than Taylor. Uh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> so, no, I'll be, I'll hopefully go down there, you know, August. See you guys. It's not It's not very cool here in August. <laughs> yeah. I'll be no, no, no. in the next two weeks, so <laughs> it'll be nice and cool. Sweet, brother. I appreciate you getting on, man. Miss you. Yeah, I miss you guys, so good to talk to you guys. All right, man, talk to you. All right, see ya.